I want you to be turning with me again tonight to the book of Psalms. I'm reading from the 16th chapter. We'll begin with verse 1 and read the entirety of Psalm chapter 16. Preserve me, God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My grace extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hate after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names under my lips. The Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and Thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly, a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth my flesh also shall rest in hope for thou wilt not leave my soul in hell neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's reading Psalm chapter 16. You may be seated. Beneath Westminster Abbey, which is the mother church for the Church of England, there's an old cloister used as the burial place of early kings known as the Saxons, the Saxon kings. It's no longer available for you to wander around down there now. They closed it off. But in years gone by, one day a visitor wandered into this vault and ended up being locked in. He cried, he beat on the door, but it was like muffled inside there and no one heard him. At one point he heard footsteps coming down the hall and Later he found that to be the janitor on his evening rounds and he cried the louder and beat the louder 
thinking that somebody will hear me. And uh, somehow the janitor, he didn't hear him, but he got in his mind since the door was closed, someone may be locked in. And so he opened the door and rescued the man who was already passed out on the floor from screaming so loud, they thought. I want to emphasize Christ, our resurrected King tonight. Were it not for Christ's resurrection, we would be helplessly and hopelessly entombed in sin. For you're dead in sin. In trespasses and in sin, Paul wrote. Those who were here yesterday know that I'm preaching a few sermons from the Psalms, primarily at this point, what we call Messianic Psalms. That's Psalms that are quoted in the New Testament in reference to Christ. I love Charles Simeon's take on this. He said it's as though David began to write respecting himself but was overruled and inspired to declare literally respecting the Messiah. It's almost as though while David writes, Christ is speaking in prophecy through the psalmist about himself, about Christ. Now some of you may not have this, but most Bibles have at the top of this psalm Mictum or if you prefer Mictum of David. The word Mictum has been interpreted through the years by the church meaning a golden psalm of David. It's never been concluded if it's a reference to gold or just something that is precious. I'm going to tell you this psalm is worth more than gold. It's the inspired record of God. How do we know that David is speaking of Christ? Well, particularly, verse number 10 is quoted by Simon Peter in his Day of Pentecost sermon in Acts chapter 2. And he referred to it as a reference to Christ's resurrection. Paul picked up that same strand of thought in Acts chapter 13. And he declared that the psalmist was speaking of Christ, our risen Lord. So if it's stated in the scripture, we have no reason to wrestle with it. We have no cause to have doubts about it. This psalm rallies around what was to David the future resurrection of Christ. It rallies around what you and I know is the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now with the Lord's help I'd like to say three things about David's possession of this testimony 
By the way, having used the word worshiping in the previous sermons, I'm preaching tonight on worshiping the resurrected King. Our Lord is not a poor, pitiful Jesus. He is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So in view of Christ's resurrection, the psalmist had in verses 1 through 6, what I'm calling, as he does in verse 6, a goodly heritage. Because Christ lives, we have a goodly heritage. Then in verses 7 through the first phrase of verse 9, the psalmist, in view of Christ's resurrection, had a grateful heart. It may be that you have difficulty praising God like you desire to in your circumstances. But I promise you, when you reflect upon the resurrection of Christ, you'll be inspired to give God the praise. A grateful heart. And then lastly, as we come to those words about Christ's resurrection, in view of it, the psalmist not only had a goodly and a grateful heart but he had a glorious hope a glorious hope Jesus said because I live ye shall live also now with those three hinges let's, let's hang a door and enter into this big room of Psalm chapter 16 First of all, in verses 1 through 6, the psalmist, in view of Christ's resurrection, proclaims that he has a goodly heritage. That is, he has more than a normal inheritance because of Christ. Now, in verses 1 and 2, his goodly it seems to involve his confidence in the Lord. Look again at verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. The idea is my genuine reliance. My loyal confidence. And uh, I might add in verse number 2, he not only speaks of his confidence in the Lord and that is in a very genuine manner, but he says, talking to his own soul, you ever do that? Oh, my soul, he said, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. Now, it's wonderful that the Lord would claim you and me. But how precious that he's fixed it to where we can claim him. He's our Lord. My soul has said, thou art my Lord. I wondered if Thomas didn't get his confession from this. My Lord and my God, he said in the upper room to Christ. And so in the first two verses, we're reminded of David's confidence in the Lord. Uh, 
May I say, because Christ lives, faith is encouraged. We do not believe a group of dead dogmas or religious ideas, but we have a real Lord, and He incites true faith in God. Furthermore, in this godly, goodly heritage, the psalmist not only admitted he had confidence in the Lord, but he spoke of his companions in the land. Now, the psalmist may be referring to the land of Israel, but it appears to me from the language used throughout these verses that he's referring to this inheritance, this spiritual inheritance. And he said in verse 2, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extendeth not to thee. He said, There's no goodness that moves towards you, Lord. It's your goodness that's moved towards me. But to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent. By the way, this word excellent is the same word we came across last night in chapter 8. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent. Now he uses the word to describe the saints. <laughs> of course, there can be some excellence in believers because their God is excellent. Oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And then in verse number 4 he adds those who are outside the, the realm of faith their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take up their names unto my lips. He not only claims kinship with the saints but he claims that he's an alien to the idolaters. He said, I, I loathe idolatry. I despise it. And I will not drink the offerings of the blood of the offerings that they offer to the false gods. And I will not take the name of these false gods on my lips. He's underlining his devotion. By the way, he talked about the goodness of God from one uh, perspective in verse number two. Now he gives the opposite. Not only the goodness that he has in God, but the sorrows that those who uh, do not receive the mercies of God, uh, they're multiplied. They're Sorrows will be multiplied like the goodness that I've enjoyed is multiplied in my life. And so he is underlining his companions in the land. To me, one of the great features, one of the great elements of knowing God is enjoying the journey with his people. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Somebody said, well, you don't know what I know about them. 
Yeah, but I may not know what they know about you. Right. Or I may not know what you, you, you may not know about me the way I am. I'm saying it's a miracle of grace that we can put our trust in him. And how blessed to walk down the pilgrim pathway with other sojourners. Those who have come to find refuge in our God. And so this goodly heritage that she is involves his confidence in the Lord, his utter trust, and his companions in the land. Notice in verses 5 and 6, his goodly heritage involves his claim in the lot. He said, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. I'm not feasting on religious dreams. He said, the Lord is my meal. The Lord is my, my substance. He is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. Thou maintainest my lot. Now, it seems that he's referring to how land was laid off in those days. Often a rope was extended from one point to another and that became the dividing line. Then it was moved in another direction. And as he talks about his spiritual inheritance, he said, the Lord has maintained my lot. Now you know this. I have a missionary friend who his wife became very sick and he had to come home. And he thought he was coming home to his old home place because his dad had put him in the wheel. But his sister had talked his mother in the change in the wheel. And the dear brother came home to nothing. And after several years, he was able to scrap and scrape and save enough money to make a little down payment on a piece of property in a little house. And they live in that now. You know that a lot, I'm not just talking about a 70 by 70 or 100 by 20 or whatever, but your inheritance can be taken away. And you can be removed from what you thought was safe territory. But the psalmist said, I don't have to worry about losing my portion. I don't have to worry about being removed from my inheritance. Because the king maintains my lot. The deed and the lot is associated with the king of kings. And he said, I'm not worrying about it. It's my claim. It's my portion. And I enjoy what's mine. Let's come to verse 6 briefly. Here he says, the lines, again referring to the measuring ropes or sticks, the lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, 
I have a goodly heritage. <laughs> of course, I've underlined that little phrase now for 15 minutes. The psalmist had a goodly heritage. And he talks about his lot. I love this idea of the lines falling in pleasant places. He said, my inheritance pleases me excessively. The lines have fallen in pleasant places. He said, you'll not hear me complain about what the Lord's done for me. No. He said, the lines have fallen into pleasant places under me in pleasant places and I have a goodly heritage. I wonder if you can say that tonight. Surely if your hope is in the resurrected Lord, you have confidence in Him. You have companions in the spiritual journey in the land. And you have a claim that's precious and not to be uh, complained about. I was preaching down in lower Louisiana years ago. And uh, the little church was not very stable. I understood from their, the account I heard that a lot of water had collected down in that little opening where the church was. And uh, a couple of the floor joices had rotted out eventually. So the church was sitting a little at an angle. It didn't bother you after you got up the steps. It was just when you looked at it from the car. At any rate, they were poor people. And uh, the piano, I'm telling you, it had not been tuned in 35 years. Uh, that's just my take on it. It was in bad shape. And uh, their bass guitar was a big tub with a string on it with a broom handle. And if they were playing in C and they wanted to go up to F, they just tightened the string a little bit. And it moved them on up. And then they, they uh, sang the same song every night. You've been in services where, does anybody have a special you want us to sing tonight? Uh, the song leader would ask. And every night... Someone mentioned that same song. Poor people, a poor setting, but many of them saved out of false religion, and oh, did they love to sing. They sang this song every night. I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire. My father is rich in houses and lands, and I'm his heir. I'm I'm a millionaire. I'm a happy, happy, happy millionaire. That's basically what the psalmist is saying. I have a goodly heritage. A goodly heritage. Then beginning in verse 7 and going through the first part of verse 9. In this matter of worshiping the resurrected king, the psalmist not only had a goodly heritage as he saw this future status of the Messiah, but he had a grateful heart. 
a grateful heart. He said in verse number 7, I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. Let's just look at those two little phrases. First of all, the two of them together speak of being grateful for God's direction. I will bless the Lord has given me counsel. He, he has given me instruction. By the way, I'm grateful for other people's words along the journey. We are all in, in a measure what we have heard from others. And I have been taught and led to believe precious truth because of their influence in my life. That I'm grateful. However, when it's all done and said, it's not people's encouragement and counsel that's furthered us. It's God giving the counsel through them and giving us a word of instruction for the journey. He said, I'm grateful for direction. <laughs> I told my wife recently, you never know what's going to happen at your funeral. In fact, a lot of the older preachers that I've looked up to have passed away now. And many others are my age and older who are close friends. And some of them may pass before I do. Uh, who will preach my funeral then? And who will I have to sing? Well, I don't know who, I, who they'll have to sing, but I have put in a request for those I don't want to sing. <laughs> Some people think they've got to sing at every funeral. Well, I don't want them singing at my funeral. I want somebody like David Parker, full of the Holy Ghost, to sing as under the Lord. Or maybe a little trio uh, that's not known well. But the, their singing is has got some savor to it and a presence in it. He said, I'm grateful for direction. Verse 7. Then he added in verse number 8. Oh, I was going to tell you what I told my wife about the song. I like that song, Jesus led me all the way. If I could leave any testimony it would be Jesus led me all the way. And Kathy said, you don't want any of your songs sung? I said, I have never written a song that matches that one. Or others like it. Amazing grace. There is a fountain. Uh, I'm glad I'm here tonight because of his oversight. And because of his leadership. In spite of me. He's helped me down through the pathway. And I bless his name. He's grateful for direction. Then in verse 8, he's grateful for defense. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. The word moved indicates I shall not be shaken. <laughs> I, I have uh, put down a little word here. I will not be distracted. Boy, doesn't the enemy love to get our eyes off of Christ. But the psalmist said, 
I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved one writer said if he's at his right hand he's near him and in his view ah brother may God help us keep our eyes on Christ and stay close to him he's near me he said and then in verse number 9 the first phrase he said therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth my flesh also shall rest in hope uh, the idea here is my heart my glory my flesh rejoices because he is my Lord the statement back in verse number uh, 2 now he builds upon it my Lord my heart my flesh my glory oh brother what determination actually he's saying here my entire being is overwhelmed by him uh, you remember even the first commandment thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy mind it's our entire being and so he magnifies God being his all in that first part of verse number 9. Now I'd like to move to the resurrection picture. Especially in verse 10. We'll begin with that last phrase in verse 9. My flesh shall rest in hope. He said because of Christ's future resurrection I not only have a goodly heritage and a grateful heart but I have a glorious hope. A glorious hope. I have hope in my flesh. Now we know this flesh is going to disintegrate after it's buried. But even Job saw something out in the future. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth. And he said, after the skin worms have destroyed my body, in my flesh I shall see God. Ah, brother. Somebody say, yeah, but Tom, the older you get, the worse it, the worse it goes in your body. Well, I certainly am not an authority on it. But I'm getting a little learning at this point in life. I couldn't understand why my mama used to take uh, extra Tylenol. And I couldn't understand why my who I stayed with every night from the third grade through my first year of college she was an invalid and needed somebody to be with her I couldn't understand why she would say to me before we went to bed Tommy get me two of those buffering I didn't understand that but now after I drive a long ways or after I've preached several sermons and then go right back into it the very next night uh, and ibuprofen sure do help me out I'm learning I'm learning I want to say brother there's hope for my flesh for my body I'm going to have a new body praise the Lord I'll have a new life then I would underline from verse 10 the resurrection text for thou will not leave my soul in hell 
neither will thou suffer thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Well, surely this is not a reference to David. This is a, a messianic prophecy. Here have hope not only in the flesh but in the first fruits Christ being the first fruits of them that slept the Bible tells of course the first fruits that little amount of wheat or barley that was harvested and then it was offered as a wave offering to the Lord and in offering to the Lord they were saying Lord we praise you for what you've already given us and we're giving it back to you and we're going to look for the remainder of the crop on, with your blessing and we're going to praise you for that. They offered him the, the first fruits of the harvest. Jesus is the first fruit of the harvest. And then all of us in our time and in our place we will follow as the remainder of the harvest. I love that truth. So I said, how do you know you're going to go to heaven? Because the, the first fruits of the crop is already there. Now the harvest will be taken and presented to the Lord. There's hope in, in the flesh. There's hope in the first fruits. Again, this is no doubt a reference to the resurrection of Christ. And there's no doubt in Christ. There's no doubt in the resurrected Lord. Hallelujah. Hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's our hope. The hope in the flesh. Hope in the first fruits. Let me read it again. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Simon Peter said, and as Paul said, David was looking to the, the resurrection of Christ, not to his own resurrection because he didn't have corruption. But Christ would not. Hallelujah. I would underline lastly from verse 11, this glorious hope viewed from Christ's resurrection not only as a hope in the flesh and a hope in the first fruits, Christ himself, but hope in the future. Verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Listen. We live now in Christ and Christ lives in us. But this path will continue on in everlasting life. Thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> One said the hope, David's hope of immortality was based upon Christ's immortality. So it is with you and with me. I live on. Yes, I live on. Through eternity, I live on. I live on, 
Yes, I live on through eternity. I live on. When they're in death, the great Napoleon made this confession. I shall soon be in my grave. Such is the fate of great men. So it was with the Caesars and with Alexander. And I too am forgotten. I die before my time. And my dead body too must return to the earth and become food for worms. What an abyss between my great misery and the eternal reign of Christ who is proclaimed, loved, and adored and whose kingdom is extending over all the earth. He died without hope. But he realized that what he had heard as far as the gospel was concerned was true. Worshipping the resurrected king. <laughs> I come to encourage you tonight and so help me, I've got help. Ah, what a day that will be. Well, my Jesus I shall see. We worship him now as our resurrected king. We'll worship him forever. As the Lamb and as the King of Kings. You've been so gracious. Would you stand with me please? Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed. Our Father, we're grateful for this time together tonight with the saints, the excellent ones. We thank you that we have a hope, yes. not in ourselves or not in anything we've done or said, but in the risen Lord Jesus Christ. We trust you. We bless you. We thank you that the lines have fallen in pleasant places. Oh, what an inheritance we have in Christ. We thank you that we have a glorious future because of our resurrected King. Now pull in our hearts, Lord. Save us from ourselves. In our deficiencies, we ask Lord, for your purging and cleansing and for the filling of thy spirit. Breathe on us, O Holy Ghost. Help us now as we wait in thy presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother David has chosen a number for us. 85. Let's sing together. Page number 85. If you need to respond to him in your heart, do it. If you need to respond to him by bowing, you do it. Yes, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Have thine own way. Oh, 
Lord Jesus. Yes. I am the clay. Mold me and make me. Granted, Lord Jesus. Granted, we pray. Sing a second verse. Granny Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes. I am the clay. Yes, wash me just now. Let's just pause right there leave it as it is in the singing brother David our heads are bowed our eyes are closed I'd like to render the fruit of my lips praise and thanksgiving unto the king tonight hallowed be thy name Lord I'm sure it's not original with a friend of mine but he often says thank you sir thank you sir talk about the Lord Lord I'd like to just thank you thank you sir <laughs> hallelujah Lord praise thy holy name sanctified and set apart from all others be thy name <laughs> we ask Lord that thou us seal this time together with a spirit of praise and gratitude may you be honored may you be glorified granted to be so in Jesus blood stained name we pray amen amen praise you the Lord bless his holy name bless the Lord oh my soul and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Preacher, I reckon I'm finished. God bless you. Come.